Welcome to the July DCM podcast. My name's Tom Lanay, and yes, it is still July, so this does count. I've managed to sneak a podcast in right before the end of the month, and it has been quite a month. I've been on holiday. I won't dwell on that. I had a lovely time. Thank you. Uh, we had our annual cinema media showcase at Odeon Leicester Square, and some films have been doing pretty well in the cinema. This month to discuss this and other things is DCM's Michael Pollard. Hi, Michael. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm all right. <laughs> good, good. Well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're all right, Michael. Um, we'll start with our cinema media showcase, which took place at one of Europe's most famous cinemas, Odeon Leicester Square, on July 18th. The theme this year was trust, and Karen Stacey, uh, DCM CEO, stressed the importance of trust in today's advertising market. It was a really packed agenda. I did an hour on um, the upcoming films for 2019 and 2020, uh, but aside from me, uh, we had Karen Fraser, MBE, who's the head of the UK ad industry's think tank. Credos, who outlined the current issues with trust in advertising. We also had Martin Guerreria from Kantar talk about how cinema can help build trust in brands. And then Jack Hinchliffe, who's marketing director of KFC, talked about their recent cinema activity, which was in response to a trust issue in the world of fried chicken. Now, Michael, why is trust such a powerful word in the advertising industry at the moment? Uh, good question, Tom. I did a bit of research on this, uh, I guess, following everything that we saw at the showcase the other week. Um, and one of the ones that actually, one of the articles that was quite interesting was one in Marketing Week. There's a guy called Keith Weed, who's the outgoing president of the AA. Um, he said, a brand without trust uh, is a product and advertising without trust is just noise. And I think one of the biggest things for us that came out of uh, the other week and all those graphs that we were, uh, that we were seeing from Martin was the declining the rapid decline of trust and advertising, at least over the last couple of decades, to the point now, in that same article, they highlighted that we're at 37% of actual trust. We're behind banking, we're behind telecoms, and we're actually behind real estate. So when you start coming behind banking and the people who created the GFC, there's definitely a problem um, that sort of needs to be addressed. So one thing that I guess was highlighted as well from Karen was that we obviously take um, take great pride in the real and make sure that people know what they're seeing when they come there. And I think that goes back to all media owners to to make sure that trust in what everyone's selling um, so that we can rectify the situation. As I said, it was a packed morning and it was really interesting to hear from Jack at KFC directly from a brand about how they've tackled this issue head on, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, it's quite interesting to see all the different, uh, all the preparation that actually goes into Kentucky Fried Chicken, mm-hmm. um, which I thought went down quite well with everyone. But I thought he presented really well, and it's great to see some of the stuff that they've done with us this year. Yeah, I mean they're running on screen at the moment with some ads which were created with our own in-house creative team, DCM Studios, that have contextual relevance with the films that they're actually running in, and it's a really exciting and powerful message, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think it's always quite interesting to see when you get those bigger brands that do. Things that are film related, we saw VW obviously did a huge job with us in the um, independence for a long time. But when you start to see the worlds of Nat West and, and KFC doing some really interesting work this year with DCM Studios, it's stuff that people want to see and they definitely remember. Yep. Now moving on to uh, slightly lighter things, uh, what films have you yes. seen in the cinema this month? Um, I've seen a fair few. Uh, What's the highlight? Highlight's probably Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man th- Far From Home. Uh, yeah, I think we could probably spend a whole episode on talking about Avengers, uh, but we won't. Um, but leading on from Avengers into Spider-Man, I thought Tom Holland, Jake Gyllenhaal, Samuel Jackson, um, I thought they did a brilliant job. It's also been exciting to see the bump that Avengers um, has given other superhero films. So Spider-Man 
About five years ago, we had the amazing Spider-Man films with Andrew Garfield, which weren't doing very well. They weren't particularly successful films. Now Marvel have taken the most recent Spider-Man film starring Tom Holland under their uh, wing, and Spider-Man Far From Home is on track to become the biggest Spider-Man film of all time in the UK. It's, it's already crossed a billion dollars worldwide. Uh, that's an incredible result for a superhero, which a few years ago you would have said was probably oversaturated. We'd had a, a bit too much Spider-Man, and they've managed, Marvel have managed to create something fresh and exciting, and uh, people have really responded to that. Level of detail behind everything that they did in that film, I think, is you know echoes everything that happened in Avengers and continues to do well. But also you get these people in Marvel films like that pop up once every couple of years. You know the likes of uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Michael Douglas in Ant Man. But you know you've also got Jake Gyllenhaal. You know in in this film and he carries it unbelievably well as Mysterio. Um, really enjoyed it. Didn't think it was going to be as as good as it was. Um, and it bodes yeah. well for the next Marvel Phase Four releases, which they've recently announced at Com- uh, Comic Con in San Diego. So Black Widow's coming in. May 2020 and then we've got Eternals in November 2020 and while Eternals appears to be one of the least well-known groups of superheroes in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe you wouldn't bet against that doing big numbers like Captain Marvel or Spider-Man Far From Home yeah absolutely so one of the main reasons that uh, Michael is on the podcast, not just because of his warm Australian tones, is because last month we were both in Barcelona at Cine Europe. Now, Cine Europe is the annual get-together for the European cinema industry where the major distributors, so Disney, Warner Brothers, Universal, etc., present their upcoming film slates. There was some added excitement this year, I think it's fair to say, with the recent acquisition of 20th Century Fox by Disney, and it felt like some of the other distributors upped their game as a result. We've uh, both picked out five films that w- were highlights for us uh, across the four-day period at Barcelona. And uh, I didn't prep you on this. I just said pick, talk about five films that you um, enjoyed out of Cine Europe. And you will go with them in release date order. And your first choice was Le Mans 66, which is out on the 15th of November. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was un- this was probably the standout for Fox um, as part of that Fox. Life. I mean, that whole Disney afternoon was incredible. There's people crying. I mean, I was I was, I was goosebumps and crying during the Avengers. Tom part, Hanks was there. Wasn't Tom he? Hanks was there. He's he's out talking about <laughs> Toy Story, which um, no one expected. But uh, Le Mans sixty six. I didn't actually know too much about the actual race itself until I looked it up or until we saw the trailer. But Matt Damon, um, uh, Christian Bale, James Mangold, obviously after what he did with Logan was quite incredible. I don't just say that f- for the fact that it was Hugh Jackman, but uh, Everything that we show in this film is very slick, um, really slick. And I think now that everyone's seen the trailer in the office as well, that's that's what everyone probably agrees with. Do you know what excites me about this film is that it looks like a really great balance between strong drama between high class actors like Christian Bale and Matt Damon and then really visceral, powerful action scenes. Yeah. Uh, you don't often get that balance. It's like it's a real usually you get one which is like it's always really big on the action or one that's really big on the drama but this looks like it mixes uh, really successfully the drama along with the action and the action sequences on the racetrack obviously um, look really powerful and when the rumble of the engines came through the kind of subwoofers in the at the screen 
it really kind of got you in the pit of your stomach. I was, I'm, I'm very excited about it. And I, again, as well, I don't know the outcome of the film. I mean, the film in the US and around the world is called Ford versus Ferrari, so it has a different title in the UK. Uh, and I, I'm not entirely sure why that is. I'm guessing they're assuming that racing fans in the UK are familiar with the Le Mans race, but I don't really know how what the outcome of the race is. I'm assuming that <laughs> someone very specific. I'm assuming Ford win just because of Ferrari were the big name at the time, but. I don't know what's going to happen in the film. And for me, for historical drama, that's exciting as well. I think one of the interesting things as well, I didn't actually realise that Matt Damon's character is the character that invents the Shelby Mustang. So anyone who actually saw... Um, uh, gone in 60 seconds, I believe, is going to probably rush out and see this film. But, it, you know, um, Christian Bale's Ken Miles looks incredible. Anything anything Bale does is... And I love that he's talking with a kind of West, a black country accent, <laughs> or I think he's from the East, the West Midlands, so maybe Birmingham way. But he's talking with a very specific accent that will be really interesting to see how American audiences respond to that. Now, your second choice, a little-known film called Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, bit, yeah. out on nineteenth of December. Now, let's be honest, we we weren't shown too much of this, so let's not pretend that we have had some sneak peeks in this. But what they did show was an incredibly evocative reel about the history of Star Wars and that was enough I think to get everyone into start to get ex- everyone into excited about Star Wars Rise of Skywalker wasn't it yeah I think those opening scenes they had Carrie Fisher and uh, and Mark Hamill um, and Harrison Ford they're just behind the scenes in, in the episode four I thought that was incredible I think the whole audience is sitting there just like almost crying on the vegetarians with goosebumps but um, especially after everything that's happened in the last one but you know, I watched The Last Jedi uh, a couple of weeks ago and you forget how good this film is and, and how much it brings back from the originals and leading on from, from episode seven, which is still the biggest film in the history of the UK. So I just want to know what happens. Like, I, I, it's like almost when you're sitting there watching The Hobbit. It was like, I don't want to wait two years. I just want to see what happens in this film. Um, very exciting. Daisy Ridley looks quite incredible. John Boyega. Isaac's always looks good. Um, so excited to see it. Yeah, I'm totally in agreement. I really like The Last Jedi. I thought it was a, a really nice development from The Force Awakens. It added some new elements to the story. And I can't wait to see what happens with these characters. I really warm to Ray. I really warm to Foe. I really warm to po- Finn. Sorry. I really warm to Ray. I really warm to Finn. And I really warm to Poe. And Kylo Ren's a good antagonist, I think. I'm not going to take Star Wars for granted because, you know, Solo wasn't quite as big as we would have probably hoped it would be. But I think this will be a really spectacular climax to this trilogy. And, you know, it's coming out just before Christmas, which is is perfect. Everyone loves a Star Wars film at Christmas. And J.J. Uh, Abrams is directing again. It's going to be a knockout, I think. I think watching Adam Driver against Daisy Ridley, I mean, watching Adam Driver in uh, Black Clansman, which obviously came out recently, and then watching him in Silence a couple of years ago, which I think was yeah, one of his best he's an incredible actor. Incredible actor. Just seeing those two go against each other. She's got to be one of the scariest women in Hollywood with uh, Black Widow and uh, Gal Gadot. Um, excited to see it. Yeah, me too. And your third place, we're moving on to 2020 now. Yes. Is, uh, and it's exciting because we have two original Pixar films in 2020. And you've gone for the first one, which is called Onward, which is out on the 6th of March. It's an original Pixar. So this is one that I thought looked exactly like uh, Zootropolis 6 came out a couple of years ago, which ended up winning the Oscar, which probably caught caught me off guard. Um, and Jason Bateman did the, the voice work for that, which was brilliant. But the level of detail that that film went into, into the world that you were in, um, I think really stood out. And that's the first thing that I saw when I watched Onward. Um, this is two sibling elves um, basically on this quest to discover what happened to their father. Um, but it's not 
just a normal world that you would just you know expect to see. You've got Julia Louise Dreyfus as the mother doing the voice work. You've got Chris Pratt. You've got Tom Holland in there as well. Um, two Avengers basically as a voices of elves, and then you've got Octavia Spencer in there as well. You've got unicorns eating out of trash cans. Looks a lot, a lot of fun. I think anyone can basically see that. It's a four four quadrant sort of film. I really like the world this is set, and as you, you, that you've just touched on, it's basically a cross between our world and the mythical world. So it's loads of elements that we recognise, but it's populated by mythical creatures, so unicorns, mermaids, elves, dragons, and they all uh, gnomes as well, and they all do stuff that we recognise, and it just looks like a lot of fun, a really fun world that Pixar are building, and I think it's quite astute to bring in something like Zootropolis, where they're building a world that is very familiar to us, but has creatures using it that wouldn't ordinarily use it. Um, I'm very excited for this one, and I I love an original Pixar film, and this looks great, doesn't it? And your fourth choice is another film that I cannot wait to see. Uh, It's out on the 20th of March 2020, and it is currently Untitled A Quiet Place sequel. I'm assuming they'll go with A Quiet Place 2. But either way, A Quiet Place is probably one of the top three horrors we've had in the last two or three years, if not longer. And a sequel to this uh, is very exciting indeed, isn't it? This one stood out because it was actually John Krasinski, if you remember, who's just standing on a beach, staring at a camera, telling us about why he loved A Quiet Place, um, which he shot with his wife, Emily Blunt. And... For a film that actually has probably about, what, 40 or 50 words in it, it was just amazing. And anyone who was actually eating during that film, you just wanted to kill them because you didn't want anything to spoil what was about to happen. Um, Cillian Murphy's in this as well, so yeah. from Piggy so, Blinders and yeah, um, I mean, Batman trilogies. Uh, amazing actor to add to a uh, film like this. And the, what excites me about this film is when I came out of A Quiet Place, it's one of those few films where you're like, I really want to know more about that world. How is that world functioning? How are people functioning in that world? And hopefully, a quiet place too will expand on that. It's going to be. I don't know what it's going to do. Like I'm actually trying to think. Obviously, they've the bathtub scene was one of the most epic things that you'd see in that whole film. I don't know where he's going to go with it, which is probably why it stood out. Um, he's a very smart guy, so he's got to do something good. Yeah, and Emily Blunt's back, and yeah. she's such a good actor. Someone that we take for granted. She was terrific as Mary Poppins, and she's always good. And I think she really elevated this film. You know, her performance in it was so believable. She properly sold it in. Uh, very excited to see more from her in A Quiet Place too. And then your final choice, <laughs> you've got, gone out, out on a limb here. It's not out until the 18th of December 2020, but you wanted to highlight Coming to America too. I don't think I was even born when it came out. I think I was born... 88, know, was it? I, was, I thought it was 80, is 86, 88. Maybe that was yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. But he's, I mean... I really want to go back to that world of Eddie Murphy during the 80s and the early 90s um, because he's just quite an incredible guy. Anyone who's seen his stand-up who's listening will know how amazing he was. And he's got a big stand-up special coming coming on Netflix, yeah. I think, soon. So big time for Eddie Murphy in the next 18 months, I think. Huge time. And um, James Earl Jones is going to be back. He's doing the voice of Mufasa. He's had a busy two years. Just, um, just for highlight, he's not doing the voice of Mufasa no, coming sorry. to America. Well, he's doing the voice of Mufasa in Lion at the moment, yeah. obviously. Sorry. Um, but looking forward to him and, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. might roll up. We don't know. But, Our senior um, hall will be back. Senior hall's in it. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, to see them, to see this coming back after this many years, like it's got to be good. Yeah, um, it better be good. Um, looking forward to it. Day before uh, Star Wars is out this year, uh, next year. And just if you aren't aware of, of the plot, I mean, we obviously don't know too much about it except that Akeem. Uh, Prince Akeem, who Eddie Murphy learns he has a long lost son in the United States and must return to America to meet the unlikely heir to the throne of Zamunda. 
I mean, I really like Coming to America. It is one of the better comedies of the 80s. Um, I actually haven't watched it for quite a while, so I have no idea if it holds up very well. But Eddie Murphy was on an incredible hot streak in that period, you know. And as you said, one of the greatest comic performers of the last 50 years, Eddie Murphy, when he was on song. And I really hope he's one of those actors who you really hope he can make a, a big screen comeback because I think he's got so much to offer, isn't he? Yeah, massively. I mean, I think the fact that we're talking about Zamunda in 2019 is quite yeah. scary. Um, and the boys are in Queens seeing what they, where they're going to go next. I'll, I want to find out what happens. Um, I'm excited. And because I like making it about me, I have made five choices as well. Uh, my first choice, and it's out on the 6th of September, so pretty soon, is It Chapter 2, which uh, was part of the Warner Brothers presentation and... Uh, I was really impressed with the Warner Brothers slate. I thought they totally upped their game in uh, this year. And I think that It Chapter 2 is, I mean, one of the standout horror films as well. Of like, We've mentioned A Quiet Place. I think It Chapter 1 was one of the standout horror films. And its box office and admissions were out of this world. You know, it's by far the biggest horror film of all time in the UK and the US. And this sequel... It's recently been confirmed that it's going to be two hours, 40 minutes. Again, I want I want to know what happens to these characters. I think the the, the kids in the first It was so brilliantly cast and the, and the director, Andy Muschietti, captured their dynamics so well that I just want to see what they're like as grown-ups. And what from what I've seen from the latest trailer and the footage at Cine, Cine Europe, he's really captured the dynamic between the adults as well. And the adult casting is fantastic. Bill Hader, Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, uh, James Ransome. I think this will be a lot of fun, and it's going to be epic. Two hours, 40 minutes. It's going to take you, put you through the ringer. The, f- the first two trailers are really brilliantly judged trailers. I think this looks really exciting. The first one, when it came out, the first one a couple of years ago, we didn't actually realise how big it was going to be. I think it did, what, 10 million in its first opening weekend. Yeah, which is as much as films like Halloween and Get Out do across their entire run. So to us, to, to see how big that went, um, I'm quite intrigued, especially, as you said, just that, that casting. It's probably, it's, it must be close to some of the best casting for a sequel we've seen yeah. ever. Yeah, um, 100%. With some decent actors in there as well, yeah. And my second choice is out just three weeks after It Chapter 2. It's The Goldfinch, which is an adaptation of Donna Tartt's Pulitzer Prize-winning novel. It's an 800-page novel about a young boy who is caught up in a terrorist attack at a New York art gallery, which very sadly kills his mother. And then the film focuses on him as he goes through his life uh, because he accidentally stumbled out of the art gallery with a priceless painting of a goldfinch. And that draws him into the criminal underworld. It deals with some incredibly big themes. And it has an amazing cast, people like Nicole Kidman, Ansel Elgort, Jeffrey Wright, Sarah Paulson. It's another epic film. As I said, the book's 800 pages. It's directed by John Crowley, who did Brooklyn. It's shot by Roger Deakins, who is just about the best cinematographer of the last 30 years. He shot things like Blade Runner 2049, a whole host of Coen Brothers films. Um, And it looks genuinely beautiful. I mean, visually, it looks beautiful, but the story itself is um, an incredible story, and I just can't wait to see what they do with this one. Every trailer session we go to, there's always someone who's actually read the book and they're completely insistent that everyone goes and reads the book before they go and see the film. Apparently it's incredible. There's someone actually in the office at the moment reading it and it's 800 pages long, so if you can get through it before the film, it's a very good effort. But as you said, I think that's why I got Nicole Kidman. Um, actually watched Baby Driver again the other day, watched Big Little Lies, both of them are absolutely yeah. incredible. So uh, this one should definitely be good. I think you're right. It's, it, I think this, the length of this book has probably put some people off. You know, it's not the sort of 300, 350 page holiday read that you can get through in a week on a sun lounger in Spain. But um, those people who've read it talk about it so highly. I mean, my partner Emma read it 
while we were on holiday last year and she was totally engrossed for three days. She just sat and read this book while I tried to catch, get her attention. Um, but it was, and she, and she, there's not many films where she's read the book and is keen to go and see the film afterwards, but this one she's like, I totally want to see what they do with this. It's out on the 27th of September. Now, the next film I'm going to highlight, which is out on the 23rd of October, is Terminator Dark Fate, which I love Terminator 1. I love Terminator 2. I think they're two of the greatest sci-fi films of all time. Terminator 2 is probably one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, it's I love the world that James Cameron built, and I love the just the mythology behind it but obviously it's been the as a series and a world it's been slightly neglected over recent years terminator genesis wasn't the best terminator salvation wasn't either i quite like terminator rise of the machines but it obviously isn't up there with the standard of terminator one and two and i'm not gonna pretend that terminator dark fate is an absolute slam dunk to be good but from what i've seen it is the most promising Terminator film we've had since Terminator 2 Judgment Day. James Cameron's been involved in the story. Tim Miller directing it. Previously, his last film was Deadpool, which um, uh, I think he made, He did incredible things on a, low bu- a relatively low budget with that one. And I think he's been given a big budget on this one. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that the action's going to be pretty brutal and, and muscular and hard-hitting. It's going to be a 15 cert in the UK. The casting's great as well with Mackenzie Davis, uh, uh, who is a, is a wonderful actor, and importantly, Linda Hamilton's back, Edward Furlong is back, Arnold Schwarzenegger is back, and it is going to pretend that the last three Terminator films didn't exist, so it follows on from Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I think, you know, I, I'm kind of wet, nervous about getting excited about this, but from what I've seen, I'm getting excited. <laughs> well, we saw a bit of extended footage at Cine Europe from this, from that scene um, with Gabriel Luna on the uh, on the bridge, and it almost com- it feels like it's going back to the originals. I'm, I'm going to say I'm with you. I agree that the last couple have been obviously quite hit or miss, and they've got a bit of a job to get back to the originals. But the fact that all three of those um, names you mentioned before, with Edward Furlong, Linda Hamilton, and Schwarzenegger, are back, gives us hope that it should do quite well. Uh, my fourth choice is. Soul, which is out in summer 2020. And we don't know too much about this one, except it's uh, another original Pixar film from probably Pixar's greatest director, who is Pete Docter, the director of Inside Out. And this is another film which tackles some incredibly big life uh, questions. It's a journey from the streets of New York City to the cosmic realms, discovering the answers to life's most important questions. It will visualise people's souls. I believe it, it features a music teacher who is who is creatively unfulfilled and we see how that works in terms of his soul uh, only Pixar would attempt this and I think only Pete Doctor can pull this off but for me this is potentially the most excited animated film we've had since Inside Out Agree. I think one of the weird things I actually read about this film is that it's the first one that they've actually shot well they're focused on New York so this is he's obviously done Monsters Inc he did Monsters University um, and then he did Inside Out and this is going to be the fourth one following on from that so everything that we saw around it at Cine Europe uh, even though we didn't actually see too much, I think we just saw Soul up on a screen. Yeah, yeah. It looks, and he, he talked about the concepts of it. It sounds incredible. I can't wait for that. It's out on 19th of June. It's very exciting indeed. And then my final choice, and I won't go into too much detail on this, but it's Top Gun Maverick, which is out in July 2020. I'm not a massive Top Gun fan, although I like it. And this wasn't a film that I was that excited to see until we saw some footage from it. And all the footage is available in the re- most recent trailer that came out. The aerial footage in this film... It's shot on IMAX cameras. It's Tom Cruise in an F-15 fighter jet. 
the aerial footage is going to blow people away. Genuinely, I, we, we saw it on the big screen and you see aeroplanes breaking the sound barrier, doing barrel turns down mountain passes, f- taking off on aircraft carriers and you see real actors' faces under sort of like immense G-force pet pressure. It almost doesn't matter what the story like. The aerial scenes are going to be so jaw-dropping that people are going to have to see this film on the big screen. I can't believe he's still alive after half of Mission Impossible. Mate. <laughs> he's still broken legs, flying or hanging off the side of planes. Uh, also, the fact that in this cast as well, you've got Marcel, I thought it was obviously brilliant. And in. Val Kilmer and Ed Harris and Jennifer John Hamm and Jennifer yeah, Connelly. It's incredible. a really classy cast. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think that part of it is if you've got a great cast behind him, it's going to do well. Everything that we saw leads to believe it's going to do some decent numbers as well. Yeah, I'm very excited for the Top Gun Maverick. Uh, again, uh, I think 2020 is shaping up really nicely. And I've obviously got big original titles like Soul and Tenet and Onward that I'm excited about. But I think uh, in terms of sequels next year, Top Gun Maverick is as exciting as it gets. So that's our roundup of Cine Europe 2019. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Thanks, Tom. I'll be back next month where we'll be talking about a whole host of new things, which I haven't really decided yet. But either way, I'm definitely going to be back before the end of August. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Bye-bye.